interesting conversation we're going to be having an amazing conversation with young professionals in the tech space uh we've had a similar episode the previous one which was covering a similar dynamics um in which we're covering people in terms of their journey into the tech industry in terms of people who are doing coding some of the people doing data analyst work and those kind of dynamics in which we want to navigate again today uh obviously we have a different panel of of guests today so it's going to be quite interesting to see how each of our guests have navigated in their experiences in this particular space um but before we start i think what would be important for us to do is at least give an introduction of everyone in the in the panel today um so before i start i'm just going to hand over to each of you uh so just switch on your microphone uh both of your cameras on as well and this introduce exactly who you are and what you do and where you're based uh so i guess i can start with keith uh keith you can just switch on your mic and just give us a brief introduction of who you are and what you do okay hi guys um i'm glad to be part of this So I'm Keith uh, Gorem Sandu. Um, I'm based in London. I work as a senior data scientist for a company called Pesado, uh, which is basically an NLP company. Um, we optimize language and we work with businesses to um, assist them with the uh, business communications and a little bit of uh, AI <laughs> into communications and delivering the best possible message to their clients. Um, yeah, so basically that's what I do. I've been working with this company for four years now and I've been in the tech space for about six, seven years. Perfect, Keith. Uh, I think, as you can see, there's obviously a range of people in different areas. So I think you can at least learn how everyone is in a different space and how they navigate in this field. I think next we can go to Matabo. Just give us a brief introduction of who you are. Hey, how's it, guys? My name is Matabo Mahwana. Um, yeah, so I started my journey. Um, I've been in tech for 10 years, but I, I, I'm in consulting now. I work for EY. Um, I've moved quite a bit. I started as a... as um as a power bi developer i went into sql and then um, i did that for a while and then i moved into robotics um and then uh once robotics moved on then i then i saw the daughters like you know the blood of most companies and i went back to default settings so now um, i've moved from robotics and i'm into data science now perfect thanks for the double zinfe uh just give us a brief introduction of who you are 
Hey, hi everyone. So I'm Zanchi Maseko, uh, currently working at First Rand Bank as IT Risk Manager. So my journey in IT space started uh, back at in, in FNB. I was doing cybersecurity. So from cybersecurity governance, I moved on to IT risk and operational risk. And now I, I'm in the IT, IT risk and management and governance space. Um, I think I've been in the space for about uh, five years now. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks, Inche. And then last Napa, um, I don't know if that's your actual full name, but yeah, switch on your mic and give yeah. us an introduction. Morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Napo Tishoho. Um, I work for APSA uh, in the CIB digital space. Um, so I started off as a developer and then delved into a bit of DevOps. Uh, and I'm currently still doing both dev work and a bit of DevOps as well. So yeah, that's me. Um, I'm currently based in Pretoria. I've been living in Cape Town for the past couple of years. Recently moved to Pretoria. And that's me. Perfect. Uh, so I guess we can get the ball rolling. Uh, so just again, it's a very casual conversation. Uh, so please feel free to just interact here and there. Uh, but obviously I'll be navigating the conversation on my side. Uh, so if you have any particular interjections you want to make, please feel free to make them. Uh, but I guess to get the ball rolling and maybe to start off with just a brief context of the conversation, each of you, as you can hear, you're each in different spaces. Obviously, there's probably a navigation to people in the financial services sector. But anyway, um, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation to see how each of you navigate into the particular fields that you guys are in and the challenges, the opportunities, and especially for someone who's quite young and predominant audience to the podcast are people under the age of 25 to the range of at least 18. So at least each of you guys, probably from your experiences, can you share some insight in terms of how one navigates your particular field and how your journey particularly as an individual has been? Because this is obviously also to highlight and showcase exactly each of you and your experiences and how one can learn from that. So I think maybe the first question I have to ask is obviously there's this typical stereotype around the tech space, you know, the whole Silicon Valley aspect. And maybe my question now is more so to understand exactly how is your journey started and what got you into tech? And I know tech is quite a broad term. And one could say tech could be anything from developing a software to hardware and can literally be anything. Um, but your particular case, how is your journey started and what got you into this particular field? So maybe I can start with Keith. Uh, just give us a breakdown as to how your journey started in this particular field for you particularly. Okay, cool. Um, so actually for my bachelor's degree, I studied economics. Um, and um, I had an opportunity to do one of those programs where you do a semester abroad and you go to a different country. So I went to the US. And whilst I was there, I had this very interesting uh, statistics professor who <laughs> uh, basically introduced uh, me to how statistics it can be used in is, is widely used in machine learning and you know all these developing fields. Um, so just from hearing the applications of um, uh, these uh, concepts and what is possible, it got me very intrigued. And I think from that point, from that point onwards, I just started researching a, a, a lot more about uh, this field and uh, how these applications are, are being used in the 
modern world. So I would say, uh, for me, what I encourage people to do is uh, just to be curious, because a lot of these applications, we already use them, but sometimes it's difficult to link how, like, for a young person, uh, what are the concepts behind these ap ap applications? How how do these things get built? How do these things actually link to maybe what whatever you're studying? It might be just one module that you're studying and that has some you know concepts that are being used in these applications. So I think curiosity is an important uh, factor. Um, if you see something that you know makes you question, uh, we have a lot of tools now. Like information is right in our palms. So if you are curious about something about the tech that we use on our daily lives, just research more about it. And eventually, I then you know did a MSc in data science. I didn't have any programming, like solid programming uh, experience at that point. But as I said, I was very curious. I was very interested in this, and I found it very exciting. So I I learned programming, um, and also the good thing about the the tech space. I mean, you then discover that it's not only people who actually did like computer science degrees who only work in the sector. There are a lot of self-taught people who have just basically used, you know, whatever, you know, there's a lot of these things online these days. So you literally can just be self-taught and get involved in some projects and just be as good as someone who maybe really went to university and studied for that particular degree. It just depends on you and how much you apply yourself. So yeah, it, it was a combination of uh, just being curious and um, realizing, okay, this is what I wanted to do because I could see the applications were just literally from the moment you wake up in the morning, there's something that is using, um, you know, that you're interacting with that is using, you know, um, basically statistics, which was my my core 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 core, core field. So yeah. that's how I ended up um, in the data science world. Okay. Mm. I think, as you said, you know, everyone doesn't have the same start, um, but it's interesting to see, as you mentioned, that you know, obviously navigating when one looks at a particular whether it's a tool, software, hardware to try kind of break down, especially now that we're living in the internet or digital age where you have so much access to information that can really help you inform and you can kind of take advantage of that information. I think that's the beauty of your industry is that you're taking advantage of information and making the world, you know, in a quote unquote, a better place, if I can put it like that. <laughs> um, next, let's go to Matabo. Uh, Matabo, just briefly, how exactly did you get into the space and how has your journey been so far for you? So how I got into the space was actually, yeah, it was actually by chance. Um, I had to come to Varsity. I'm from Bavol and I had to come to Varsity and I had to choose. My sister was in marketing, so I was like, okay, let's just do marketing. And uh, they're like, no, you're not giving us enough information to why you want to do marketing. I just wanted to be in Varsity. I just wanted freedom. 
so then I, I literally just t- took IT um, and marketing and it was any, many, many more and it landed on IT and thank God it did actually. Um, so yeah, so I did, I, I, I majored in programming. Um, I think for me, when I, Java was one of my favorite subjects, right? And there was a point where um, just understanding the language, how you declare the variables, um, binary you know what i mean how to initialize for me it was such a fascinating concept i was i don't know i was a technical person until java until i did java and i was like yes this is it i don't know what this is called but i like this and then um as you as we did the course like initially there was a a program that we did um uh like a a small soft um, small piece of software um for a bank so you know this is when a person withdrew and there was um introduction to concepts to methods and all of that and then when i did that and i actually went to an atm and I withdrew money and I was like, but this is a re- it's in real life, like it actually exists. So I could apply what I saw at school um, in real life. And then in my last year of varsity, I worked for HP in sales and I saw that um, as much as we can, you know, create code, we need to sell it. And what is it that we need to do to sell it? So I could see now the merge of business and being tech. So then, um, so then, so yeah, it was the last year of varsity, I started working. Um, I worked at FMB for, well, West Bank. Um, West Bank was one of our clients and I worked there. It was more, um, it was more Power BI, you know, business intelligence. And then um, there was a company I worked for, Tutora. Um, it was business intelligence. And when we when we there, I saw them, I saw a bot. I saw like automation. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I want to do it. And I tried it. I tried it. It was UiPath. And it, it's completely free. It was online. Um, so it was just having the courage to try because I knew I wasn't, I wasn't going to be a you know, good at the first time. So I tried it and I was certified. I was like, okay, I think I like this. So then that's when, and then from Tutora, I moved to EY. And my first year, so I we did we did automation, and that was really really lovely. And um, it was my first year. And the nice thing about it is that we were the first team to launch the first bot in Azure Africa, and I was build lead. So it's okay to fail, just try. You know what I mean? And then once you do it, and you do it again, and you get better. Um, it's a beautiful journey. It's a beautiful journey. And so then um, I did. Um, I did, and then I, I, I branched into your path, and it was Blue Prism Automation. Anyway, I got certified, all of them at a, an advanced level. And um, and then I went back to data, and I was like, there's so much importance to data, right? And let's just go back to default settings and see what else can we do. How can we apply um, robotics into data analytics? So then I saw that with um, robotics, you can prepare the data, right? Because it's garbage in, garbage out. So the data has to be proper and that's where robotics come in and once the data is proper then we can use that for machine learning and i was like okay cool so i think um, for me my journey has been um i don't want to define myself with using a technology tool it's more of the solutions i bring to the table so that's why i've been dabbling a bit um then i got certified into python and i was like okay so the things with software um it's different syntax but the concepts are the same so try just do it um, expand yourself ask questions be curious and just don't limit yourself to the technology tool and also once you intake and once you know the the tech start um, seeing how can you make business how, I mean how can you make money out of it um, and then you get introduced introduced into project timelines and all of that and everything that comes up into actually you know making money from software so yeah that is my journey perfect perfect um yeah it's quite a beautiful especially when you're navigating trying to not limit yourself to particular tools quite important especially in any industry um Zinche, on your side maybe to extend to the question um between what one studies versus what they do for a living, especially in your case, 
has there been a, a quite a vast difference in terms of what you've studied versus what you actually do on a nine to five basis? Is there any transition what one can say is linked? Or is it a case of when you start working, especially in this industry or in the space that you're in, it's where you actually kind of get a knock-on effect that is quite different? So, yeah, the big answer is yes. Uh, what I'm doing now seems very different to what I studied in varsity. I also did uh, an IT degree, BSc degree in, in Northwest University. And obviously it involves a lot of programming and coding and it's quite technical. But when I moved to FNB, I then got exposed to the governance side of IT, which is something that is not really was not included in our IT degree program. So it was something very new to me. Um, but that's also what made it very interesting and challenging because um, I, I, I really had to learn on the go. I couldn't depend on the indication. And I mean, it's, it's the governance. And then I moved on to IT and then IT risk governance. And, and the interesting thing about it, well, for me, was that you get to have like a bird's eye view of the entire architecture or the entire um, um, IT operations within, you know, where I, where I back is at, where I work is at the bank. So you get to understand where every piece fits in together um, and how each department, you know, sort of um, interlink with each other. And, and I think that's when I realized, well, this is it. This, this is my passion. Um, I don't enjoy programming and sitting behind the laptop all day. Um, it's not really something that interests me. Um, and that's the thing about the IT space. There's quite a, a large number of, of options, you know, whether you like programming, whether you like um, being analytical, you can go into data analytics uh, space. If you just like to do, you know, like uh, uh, um, uh, setting up strategies and, and architecture, there's, there's quite a lot of options for everyone. And, and, and I think that's the beautiful thing about it because we, you know, the world has, has been moving into IT and technology um, in every space, including education, in, in, in healthcare, you know, in every space is now moving heavily into technology and so there's room i believe there's room for everyone whether you are in in, in business management whether you are in marketing there's rooms for everyone and so i mean earlier this week i saw some some article about a company that's just um i think they let go of their they, they, uh, what do you call these people? Uh, cashiers, because they now have got this self-service, um, yeah, self-service payment. And people are worried that a lot of lo jobs will be lost. But, you know, if we open our minds and, and, and sort of spread this awareness, especially from with us who people who are aware of this, I think if you spread the awareness that, hey, there's actually room for everyone here in the IT space, you don't have to have deep knowledge or skill, uh, within IT or, you know, the heavy technical stuff but um and i think it's something that people should worry less about so also in very recently last year we also started um developing so just on a side business or side hustle we started developing a marking um app 
which it automates the marking of school tests. So it's used by teachers and schools. And, um, and a friend of mine, he's a teacher. He's not even in the IT space. And he's the one that came up with the idea. He came to me and he said, hey, Zentle, um, can you help me build this app? So, so, so just to prove, show that, you know, um, the technology space is something that's welcoming to everyone from, every, from any background. So, yeah. Perfect, perfect. And I think taking advantage of technology across different industries has actually shown what opportunities are there for us, especially as a country in the African context, there's so much opportunities for us to, want to take advantage of technology. And, you know, you don't want to be a case whereby um, we're trying to catch on the rest of the world. And I think people like you guys, each of you have the opportunities to at least give us insight in terms of how we can also take advantage of technology and IT infrastructure, uh, data in different industries. I can just also give potentially even give opportunities for creating employment. So I think that's the beautiful thing about that as well. Um, now, for on your side, and I, I don't know how your journey has been like, but especially in context of the transition between what you study, what you're doing, and maybe also to move to the next question as well, um, the job opportunities in the industry. And, you know, I had someone asked me a question around, like, look, if I go and want to work in the IT space or in the data space, what does the job market look for? One who's relatively young, has very little experience, is even worthwhile and you know i'll probably go to the next person and ask okay because it's typical the wozniak the steve jobs mentality of you know that's what it looks like you know you're a billionaire so the question would therefore also be financially is it even rewarding to enter industry like that especially for a young black person yeah funny enough i get that question a lot on my youtube channel uh, people are already trying to get into software development or just the it industry in general and you know, there's obviously like a whole bunch of ways you can do it, but I'll just tell you guys about my journey. Um, so I went to UCT to go study actual science. So this was back in 2013. Um, without even knowing what actual science was, I was just told that you're smart, go study this thing, you're going to make lots and lots of money. So I was like, all right, let me try and see if I can do this thing. Um, six months into actual science, I realized this wasn't for me. I was literally depressed. I wouldn't go to lectures, I was failing almost everything. Um, I think part of the uh, part of the curriculum, uh, we had uh, computer sciences. And that was the only cause that I really gravitated towards. Um, so I just switched my major to CompSci uh, six months in. Um, and then at the end of the year, I had failed most of my courses. And CompSci was the only course that I was doing well in. So I just decided to, well, I didn't decide I actually got excluded and then um, I had to uh, appeal the, the exclusion and then I was reinstated. After getting reinstated, I was given a couple of options to choose from and um, computer sciences was one of them, computer sciences and information systems. Although I, I, I felt computer sciences was a bit too technical for me, I needed to do something that had a bit of business in it. So I decided to go for um, information systems. Fast forward a couple of years later, I was doing my final year. I got a job at this uh, startup company that was uh, near my university. So while I was doing my final year, I started working full-time at this company. It was a dev house. Uh, so we basically built products for other companies to use. Um, uh, after a year of working there, I felt like I wasn't growing and I wasn't really... I, I, 
I thought I was, like the company wasn't aligned with what I was trying to do in life. Um, so I just went and started exploring and applied at a few other companies. Um, and I ended up getting a job at this other consulting company from the UK. Um, went through training with the company and then they got me a job at Absa. Um, so that's when I decided to switch from uh, doing software development to doing DevOps because it was quite interesting. And it was something completely new. I didn't even know such a thing existed. So I did DevOps for about two years at Absa. And then after those two years, I felt like I was losing my dev side. Um, so I decided to go back to software development again. Um, and yeah, that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years now. So all in all, I've been in the industry for about five years, two years doing DevOps, three years uh, software engineering, software development, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, so that's my journey. Um, and in terms of how people can get into the space, um, so when I moved to AFSA, I actually came across a lot of people that didn't coach in this city, and I was actually surprised. Like, how is this even possible? Um, so one of the guys only had me trick, and he was a soft-taught um, um, security specialist. So this guy literally, he didn't, I, I don't even think he passed me trick. So he just decided he worked as a waiter back in, in Durban, uh, saved up some cash, and then decided to start doing uh, the certifications. Um, and then once he had the certifications, he was fortunate enough to find a company that let him in. And then a few years later, he found himself working at Absa, making a lot of a lot of money at Absa. Uh, he was actually friends with um, our CIO, CIO, or whatever the case is. Uh, but yeah, just to show that you don't necessarily need to go to university and you know. I don't know, like pay hundreds of thousands of brands for you to get a qualification to get a job, only to spend 10 years of your life paying that back while you're paying other things, you know? So yeah, it's quite, a, it's quite an interesting topic, to be honest. Um, and also, I, I feel like in South Africa, to be specific, like there aren't a lot of opportunities, especially for people that didn't go to university. Um, so you might go and get your certification but you need to know someone that works at a certain company for you to actually get in because the first thing that they do is they ask for a qualification which is which might be their way of i don't know filtering you know or whatever the case may be so it's, it's very interesting and it's one of the things it's one of the questions i get a lot on my channel people are trying to get into the space and it's just i feel like we need to talk more about it uh, especially as young developers and also just try and maybe start our own side hustle so that we can employ people and then they can go to these companies with a bit of experience and credentials so yeah yeah that's that's it for me um thank yeah. you peter no, i appreciate that and i think i think beyond just your particular field i think a lot of industries and people in different fields face the same challenge whereby um, the pressure of, you know, your qualification. And then once you get your qualification, you can assume that, ah, okay, I've seen these pamphlets and brochures telling me this is the kind of job I'm going to do, how much money I'm going to make. And then when you get into the job or you get into the market, then you see, oh, it's quite different. And I think it's quite challenging for a lot of young people to kind of face and understand that kind of comp complex situation that they have to put themselves in uh, in terms of getting experience first, improving their, maybe potentially going further education with other certificates they can get into the IT space, 
I know there's probably a lot of boot camps one can join in uh, to kind of advance and get different kind of certifications and so forth. And I think, you know, those are kind of things that I think I would hope you guys can also kind of share insight on in terms of how one can kind of navigate that. Um, so, yeah, uh, Keith, back to you now. And I think there was a question I posed to Napo around the question of, you know, income. And, you know, and this person who asked me this question, I know it's a quite a sensitive topic, but there's a typical stereotype that one, one works as an IT developer, data analyst, you know, you work with AI, in particular in your case, you know, that, oh, okay, you know, Keith is probably loaded with money and, you know, his lifestyle is basically typing behind the PC codes and all this different thing, looking at data, Excel sheets and all this different thing. Is, is that the actual truth? And how does one also manage the expectations, especially that one is starting their career? And how does one also manage going forward in terms of from, from a financial point of view? Is there opportunity for one to grow financially? I mean, particularly in your case, you're based in London. Um, how is that in your particular case? Yeah, so <laughs> I know uh, everyone um, uh, looks at, uh, you know, this tech giants, uh, Facebook and things. Okay, Zuckerberg, we've all seen the movie. Uh, it's the, it's the sure way to become a, a multimillionaire, a billionaire. You just create one up and then you're done. Uh, but I think it's it's more like um, any industry when when it's new, there's a, a limited uh, pool of talent and there's a high demand. So I think this is what happened a lot where uh, there was such a high demand for these skills uh, but they were, they were very, it was sort of a new space. And it, that made companies compete for talent and obviously raise a lot of, uh, you know, the incomes that they offered. But with time, there are more people coming into the industry uh, and things regulate. And then, you know, you, <laughs> you, you don't necessarily expect those inflated uh, salaries to, to ca carry on. Um, but what I, I think is most important, especially for someone who's getting into uh, this space, is not really necessarily to focus on, you know, making uh, what salary I'm going to get, I'm going to get the first job giving me, you know, an X amount. Because in reality, what tends to happen is there are few big companies future uh, the, the google's facebook's yes if you go there straight from uh, uh university you can get an amazing uh, like salary package but um not everyone can get in there and these guys they know they've got the big brands they attract you know the best people so the competition is really cutthroat to get into in those companies um, but what you didn't think about is you look at it from a perspective of your whole career. You're not uh, only looking to get a job and then, you know, get the best salary at that point. The best thing you need to do is to get uh, experience. Uh, and I, I don't know the situation in South Africa, but in, in, in the UK, there are a lot of uh, small to medium-sized companies, which, I mean, everyone now is talking about data, right? Almost every company needs a data and specialist in some some sort. So there was a 
it was the thing where every young person after university or they just wanted to get into the big brands. And then when they failed to get into those big brands, but they're very competitive, uh, they're like heartbroken, disappointed and think, okay, I'm, I'm not good enough for this sector. But that is not necessarily the, the right, the only way to go about it. So I think if you're a young person, yes, uh, you can be lucky and get into this good companies, big companies that give you a huge salary. But more importantly, I think, is to get your career started, even if you're working for a small company. And actually what you then find is when you go into some, uh, like a smaller size company, you do a lot more than what you do in a, in a, in a big company, sometimes eight times, because you are essentially uh, responsible for that function in, in, in the business. And this builds your confidence, this builds your skill set, and over time, if you are really someone who's determined and who's really, you know, focused, uh, I think you do okay. You still, you know, uh, get paid a lot of money based on your experience. So I, 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 my advice to people, to young people is usually, it's not really just about a figure, you know, like, okay, I, get, I finished university, this is the figure that I want to get paid. Um, because if you don't get that, you then get disappointed and you sort of are clouded. Whereas, you know, there are many alternatives. Uh, um, and even within the companies, you know, one of the, uh, my, 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 it's a shock that I had when I started working for the company that I work for now is I thought, okay, the data science engineers, the engineers, these, you know, these are the guys who get the big bucks, you know. But what I then realized is actually the guy who sells the software to companies, because he sells it on a percentage of commission, he gets paid way more than all of all of us guys, you know. So um I think it's it's more of uh really mapping out your career where you where you want to see yourself and then starting from then doing the things the money all these things will come as long as you're doing it right you people will pay you based on you know what you what you can deliver and what you bring to the to the what value you bring to the company so yeah, yeah that's 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 my view on, on on no thanks keith and i think the reason why i think this question was important was posed to me um after the previous episode is there was a mention around the challenge of people working for particularly startups and yeah. especially if you're working for a startup, the challenge in terms of the responsibilities you are asked to do, maybe you're not paid enough, but you have so much work on your plate. Yeah. And for the for the exchange of that, people don't really get the benefit of the experience. But from your point of view, I think you've shared the insight that there's actually yeah. opportunities there for one to at least gain some experience and then grow to a bigger uh, corporate or so. Uh, Matabo, on your side, and I think to, as an extension to that question, do you think there's a lot of misconceptions around your particular field in terms of also, particularly if you're working with data? Um, and I think maybe also to extend to the question, more so for Black people in the industry, is there also a, a challenge in terms of kind of uh, a lack of growth? Or is it a case of there's a stereotypical thing of where you're going to corporate, you know, you are probably a DevOps person or you are a data analyst or data miner, architecture, whatever the case be that for one to grow the career, there's just a lot of hurdles. And would you relate to that or is that not the case? 
I'm actually passionate about this. Um, so I mentored a, a couple of students. They come from, I remember now, I remember now, um, but they, it was a company that would bring students, right? They come from different walks of life, engineering, whatnot. And what we did, the project what we did was you had to take a SQL script and you had to turn code into English. I don't like documentation. I'm sorry, I'm not about it. I'm not about that life. But if you can't, um, for example, translate something technical, right, into English without without losing things in translation, without being ambiguous. So you can have a conversation with a partner. You are more likely to get sponsors. You are more likely to get funding. So um, it's not just about making code work. Um, you can make code work, and that's great, and it's optimized. But if you're not going to, if you're not going to be able to confidently explain it, confidently have conversations, or maybe from a a process analysis, um, when you're engaging with the clients, are you going to have to, will you be able to have those conversations with the clients, right? And making sure, or, or keeping relationships, you know, so when you go to a stakeholder, oh, they can call you by your first name, you know what I mean? It's chilled. Um, so it's maintaining relationships, right? It's being able to, to you know, to make sure that um, you deliver the work and be able to sell it. So yes, you do have a degree. Yes, you are. You do have your masters. But can you hold stand up? Can you um, can you make sure that okay? So this is the offering that we have. Can you look at a? Can you look at a? For example, software and licensing and whatnot, and how about we sell it in this form, right? So it's not just about the code. And I and what, what I tell um, the young associates at work um, at work is that open yourself to learning. You know what I mean? The the person that can have a meaningful conversation with a partner or a manager, we want them. And that's more, you're more likely to, to get the promotion than a person that creates good code. And that's unfortunate, but it's the reality. Okay. So um, you have to open yourself. You have to open yourself into, um, okay, yes, I'm going to deliver this. And, and I always tell them, treat yourself as a business. Okay. You're going you're gonna to deliver this piece of work. If my, if my colleague delivers it in, in an hour, can I deliver it in 30 minutes? And can then I explain how I did it and a better way of doing it next time? And it's ready. So it is you have you have delivered on all those you've delivered on the work you have had the conversation with the manager we are producing on time and and you're ready you're ready for the next one that's what people want to hire so it's not just the code but it's the overall um, delivery that you're bringing in the misconception of data and um, yeah there's a lot hey there's gang there's gang it's so. The, the way we work now is not like your traditional back in the day where you had a title and you could just bring in the big bucks. Um, it's not like that anymore. Um, somebody that doesn't necessarily have a degree, but you can deliver and all those things. You can you can talk to clients, you can pitch and you can... When, so say, for example, you're pitching to a client and they agree and they're happy and, um, and you know a bit of take that when you talk to a developer, you're not asking them how long will it take. You are giving them... Um, uh, high level that this is what I've done um, and then at that point you speak optimization if you could do that then that is what they're looking for so the misconceptions is that you know we come in and we think you know your quality of work will take you up it's not going to take you up it's more the soft skills it's more the teaming um, I'm part of the DNA data, uh, not data, um, diversity and inclusion. Um, for so, from a teaming perspective, if someone has somebody that um, that celebrates Diwali, from a project um, plan perspective, do you then consider that? So that when Diwali comes in, you release them of work without um, compromising on targets and delivery. It's all of those things that you have to bring to the table that actually makes you shine. 
So I think we just need to change the culture of how we see work and, and, and being open to stretching our capabilities. A lot of developers, we, like I like my headsets and listening to jazz and don't disturb me, but it's only going to take you there. Right, but if you open it up to um, having conversation, taking off your laptop, I mean, taking off your headsets and actually listen to conversations, how um, people interact. Um, maybe try to build a library to help, you know, solutions in terms of, you know, if developers get stuck, this is where you can go, and also have a conversation with partners. Listen, we've built a library that's going to increase um, delivery time, and you know, from a code review perspective, it's already it's already in standard. So we don't have to go through traditional code review that takes so long. If it comes from the library, it's good to go. So if you can have those conversations and be flexible, be agile enough to, um, you know, to see. So so the, the ideal person, right? Which I think people are looking for is if you could go to a business and look at a business and have a business case that makes financial sense, you can build a business case out of it and it's technically sound. That's what we're looking for. So, yeah. That's, 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 that's amazing. I think one thing I caught on to, and I think this even applies to myself, is the importance of soft skills beyond just your technical abilities. And I think a lot of us get into the gist of, you know, maybe I must be good at Java was SQL or the other code languages out there. And then if I just master all of them, and then here I am, I can easily just get recognized. And I think the challenge is if you know if you don't have soft skills, and I think you don't know how to also kind of explore a level of finding solutions and how to establish and communicate that. I think it creates a lot of challenges and barriers for one to grow uh, into the career. So I, I don't know if you kind of can relate to this, particularly since that you also have a team with you that's under you in terms of your role. And I know you're also passionate about entrepreneurship. Um, do you relate to the aspects of, in terms of misconceptions, in terms of your particular space and how one navigates career growth in that aspect? So, so yeah, um, I just to echo what Matabo has mentioned, I, I relate very much with, with what she has said. Um, especially from my career perspective, I used to think that, you know, goal is to perform well, be an overperformer, an overachiever, and then you'll get your promotions. But that was not the case. You know, it doesn't work like in school where you write an exam and then if you pass, you get rewarded at the end of the year or um, you get called on stage and here's your word, you've done well, and that's it. No, in, in, in the corporate you you have to you have to sell yourself you have to, to you have to be out there you have to like she mentioned you need the soft skills um be engaging be open to creating relationships and it's one of the things that my 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 boss has always from the very um from the moment i i joined his team it's one of the things he, that he always emphasizes that create relationships with senior people because at some point you're going to need um you're going to need support you're going to need these people buy in from all these other people um to get the promotion or the role that you want you know so 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 and that was it he even made it one of my key performance um objectives to to create relationships with executive people people that are at senior level and at my at that time i thought shoot that's a very big task you know because i was a very junior level 
and and but over the years i've sown i've seen how how rewarding and how beneficial it is just creating those quality relationships with people making sure that your work gets out there don't just sit at your desktop and and just uh writing code whatever it is that you do on a daily basis and then go home and then you think you know that's it um that's not the way to grow if you want to grow you've got to you've got to be out there I had to approach my manager and ask him to create a role for me, you know, because there was no, um, there wasn't an ideal role or position um, within his area. And I mentioned that I didn't want to move to a different space. I didn't want to leave the bank. I wanted to stay there because um, I saw there's still great potential for growth for me, but I needed him to create a role for me that at least would make me stay. So, so the misconceptions that you get, yeah, it's, it's, it's about that, that you've got to work hard and then you'll get rewarded. No, you you have to be out there. You have to sell yourself. The awards that you get, they do add more weight, um, especially when you start going, uh, asking for, for, for a raise or asking for promotion um, or even applying for a job at a different place so so yes it's good to be to 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 um to to excel in what you do i believe that's that also that also uh adds adds more value you know it makes you more more um Sorry, apologies, the call coming in. So so it makes you an invariable employee in the organization that you work for. Um, and I've also seen this, um, uh, it's helped me grow and I've seen myself also applying the same skills and knowledge in my side hustle. Um, so another thing that, that we also need to apply as black people especially is all these corporate companies that we're working for. Um, yes, we get our monies, we get our rewards, but we need to ensure that whatever skill that we learn from our nine to fives, we are able to apply within our own hustles. I think that's the only way that we can grow our economy, especially in Africa, where a lot of the big companies that are dominating are white owned or they're owned by people from outside Africa. So it's important that um, whatever it is that you 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 do, take the skills, take take the the connections, um, uh, uh, and 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 apply it. See how you can start your own thing, how you can start your own hustle, you know, using what you've learned from the corporate. Yeah. Thanks, Zintle. I think it's 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 a, it's it's quite quite important for us to also kind of transfer the knowledge we gain from corporate space into our personal capacity in terms of our side hustles. Um, and even just in terms of just side projects that you work on, because you never know how you can also boost your CV to also improve yourself to get a better job or so forth. Um, so not limiting yourself to just the roles that are allocated to you, but also venturing to what else you can do for yourself. So I appreciate that. Um, now, Paul, I think as an extension to the question, obviously you've heard everyone share their views around the other skills one needs to gain. But also there's a question around, for example, in your particular space, there's different languages that are important for one to learn. Uh, what kind of, if, let's say someone was, let's say I'm starting my career uh, as a software engineer. Okay, I hear there's these different languages. What should one be aware of in terms of one, the coding languages that one probably has to kind of upskill themselves with? And where would it be important for me to learn these languages through? And how to navigate that now that I have these languages that I've mastered? Okay, now also now to the extension of the soft skills. 
I've now learned that as well. If I'm going to a to a company, let's say it's, there's no post, but I wanna I wanna market my sell myself to this company, what would you advise someone to do about in terms of okay, I'm good at this? Because typically, and maybe this is a wrong question to ask, but typically there's a question around you have to kind of present projects that you worked on, and that's most of the question. You know, what, how does one kind of build a portfolio of okay, I've done this in in your view? What a question. Um, yeah, so as Matabo had mentioned, uh, programming, all programming languages are basically the same. Um, what differs is the syntax, right? Uh, from the back end, like uh, languages to the front end languages, like everything is the same. What differs is the syntax. So it also depends on what you want to build as well, right? So personally, I started programming with uh, Python. Um, and at the time, Python was probably the easiest to learn. Um, and then from there, I transitioned into C-sharp. Um, and I think C-sharp is very, well, currently where I'm working, we use C-sharp, Java, and all of those other languages. But I think with C-sharp is a bit more, um, what's the term? There's so much that you can do with C-sharp from gaming to building web applications to building desktop applications and so forth. So it all depends on what you're trying to achieve because what you need to think about as well is when you're getting into the space you need to think about what you want to do and what you enjoy doing so if you want to end up in corporate then maybe try and learn java and c-sharp because those are the two languages that i use the most if you want to get into i don't know like um, building websites and, and so forth then go learn javascript learn Angular, learn react and all of those fancy and technologies and uh, I find that the best way to learn programming is uh, through Udemy. So that's what I've been doing as well to upskill. Um, so Udemy, I think you can pay about a hundred grand to get started, sign up for a few courses. Um, so they usually have like courses from beginners, intimidate, uh, intermediate to um, advanced, right? So you'll just start off where you feel comfortable depending on your programming background and then you just take it from there. Uh, in terms of projects, I think as a developer, it's very important to always have a, uh, a GitHub repository where you can always post whatever work that you, uh, you've been working on. For instance, if you go sign up with Udemy and you start a course, whatever that you're learning on that course, take that code, put it in your um, GitHub repository so that when you go apply for a job, companies can see that this person has been progressing from you know, this level and they've now managed to, do, to build A, B, C, D. Um, just so that you have that record and show the timeline that I've been doing this for this amount of time, right? So, yeah, so that's about that. And, well, there's also YouTube as well, right? There's a lot of people that I, I, I personally follow on YouTube that have great videos explaining a variety of uh, projects and uh, different programming languages. So, yeah, in terms of, like, the information, it is out there. You go to Google, you just... I don't know, type whatever you want to learn, it will be there. It all depends on how much you're willing to put in as well in terms of the effort. Because, you know, if, if I wanted to go learn how to become a content creator today, I can just go on YouTube and just learn that, right? And it will all depend on how much I want to learn. And that's, that's all it takes, really. So, yeah, that's it for me, Peter.
I really appreciate that. I think there's so much information out there. And I think the beauty of the day and age we're living in, unlike our parents, is whereby, you know, the typical route is you had to open a book that you found in a library for you to learn how to even code, how to even use data, how to get into a job in a certain field. You had to rely on a textbook or a book you found in a, in a particular office, whatever the case is. And I think today you can just literally find information from a simple Google search, YouTube, and all these different platforms that you have, like Udemy and so forth. And I think that's the beauty of the current space we live in. I think it's just taking advantage of those kind of opportunities and resources that are out there. So I really appreciate that. Maybe just now to move to the last set of questions, because obviously for the sake of time, and we started a bit late. Um, you guys are in the tech space. You guys work with data. You work in terms of programming, project management, and so forth. There's always a question, what is your favorite project? What is one thing that you've enjoyed the most in terms of your experience and your time working in this particular space? And what is that one thing that you say, this is what I've done? And obviously, there's obviously layers to that. But what was that one project that you've worked on that you've enjoyed the most that maybe can inspire someone to say, oh, you know what? This actually sounds cool. I probably want to also explore what that kind of space project is about and maybe enter the same space and feel like you, like you have. Um, so maybe let me start with Keith. In your particular space, I know you've also worked a lot with AI. Uh, what has been your favorite project that you've worked on so far? Mm, <laughs> I'm trying to think of something that stands out. Um, I think for me, basically, the uh, the space that I work in, uh, it's almost everything that I do, I find it quite interesting because um, we, we work with human language and it, I find it very interesting how uh, emotions that are embedded in the in human language influence people uh, to carry out different actions, and it's um, it's interesting and also it's uh, <laughs> you know sometimes even you you get worried because you think oh these technologies can be used to influence uh, people to some behaviors that maybe are not really ideal. So I find that, um, like, for instance, in general, well, we, we work with uh, the marketing teams of different uh, uh, customers. So even for banks or for retailers, just influencing someone to buy something from what they read on their, on the, on their screen uh, the, the 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 specific words that you use, the specific phrases that you use in an email can influence someone to eventually they convert and you know make an action. So I I find it quite interesting because uh, human language is is such it's got so many nuances, so many you know it means changing one word can influence someone to take a different course of actions, and if we are getting to a point where we're training computers to be this good with human language. Uh, yeah, in general, for me, it's interesting to see where this will go, how far we'll take it, and where perhaps do we draw some certain lines where, you know, some, some things can become a bit unethical. Uh, but yeah, it's the, the whole field of natural language processing for me is quite... Uh, uh, quite interesting for me and 
it's something that I feel like I don't know how far it will go, but uh, it's interesting, but it's also in a way threatening because you're influencing people to do things and there's some ethical considerations that maybe should come into place later when this, this thing develops. Yeah, I think, you know, whilst you mentioned the ethical aspect, you know, there's always the fear that, you know, with tech and so forth going on, that, you know, people are going to lose their jobs, you know, do certain products need to be developed or not? Because, oh, okay, these kind of jobs or fields need human interaction. And because especially like a country in Africa where people don't have certain skills, you know, you're creating an issue where you're going to maybe promote further unemployment. But that's something I always grasp or challenge to kind of understand whether that's the case. But I appreciate the, the aspect, especially from the understanding human language and how that can influence one's drive to purchase or do something with that. Um, Matabo, on your side, what is one project that you say, you know, this project and what I did this particular thing or role where I had responsibilities, how was that for you and what kind of project was that? So um, it was back in 2017, uh, first year at EY and RPA was still, you know, it was new, it was in demand. And um, I saw that change management, I didn't even know what change management was. And we were bringing automation in the space and change management came in and a change management champion came through and the service that you're bringing, how is that going to change? Because it's a ripple effect, right? Um, uh, change how people work. We then had to go through the whole thinking, no, the bots are going to take our jobs. At some point, I didn't tell people what I did because it, it seemed like I was a threat. Oh, she's the, oh, there's the girl. Okay, that's going to take our jobs. Um, we even had a, uh, there was a little myth that this lady thought that, you know, um, now I'm not going to be unemployed. And then on my seat, there's going to be a little bot doing my job and whatnot. So we had to then navigate through that. And uh, and it was beautiful because then we changed the narrative on how people shouldn't be intimidated by, by tech, but tech is there to serve. I mean, tech is not going to do anything until you're instructed to do it. So that was really nice. Um, at the beginning, people were very, they were not happy about it. Um, it was a lot of teething pro, um, teething issues. Um, sometimes, you know, um, Blue Prism was, was, was the tech that we were using, was not working with SAP and SAP had updates and whatnot. And a stakeholder, an SME was like, no, guys, I, I don't think this is, is going to work, you know. Um, eventually, um, the guy that said that this is not going to work, that was his part that was launched in Zoo Africa. And then there was a point where um, we had to optimize. And um, we told him, no, listen, we're going to optimize. Um, we might just, you know, and have to touch the bot. And now he's the one that's defending the bot. No, 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 no one's touching my bot. And you're like, oh, so is this the same guy? You're the one that said it's not going to work. And now you're like, okay, you're not touching my bot. So um, I like how we changed the narrative. That was really, it was a beautiful journey. It was really tough. And um, I think as you go through the journey, you have to then, it's a conversation that you have with yourself. We didn't just get here to get here. You have to go through the, you have to go all the way. And um, and having a client saying that, you know, I was intimidated by a bot to now a bot is my friend. That was really rewarding. And when COVID came in, um, they produced more because there was automation. They were ahead of the curve. And the fact that, you know, when we came in, we delivered um, um, proper, we had co proper coding standards and that could carry them through 2020, through COVID. And as a result, he improved more sales. There was continuity and more people wanted now to jump on board. And for me, um, it was beautiful. It was really, really nice. That is, it's not just about producing code. Yes, it's that, but also just the ripple effect, you know, how it changes people's lives and navigating through that from changing the narrative to um, 
from from you know technology being a threat to technology serving. So um, I had fun. I had fun. No, that, that's 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 beautiful. I think you know, especially in the digital age, especially now with COVID, uh, a lot of companies emphasize on change management and around how approaches need to change. I think that that adjustment is something that a lot of people kind of struggle to grasp with. Um, but I think once people realize the opportunities and the benefits of it, I think it, it kind of changes a lot of people's perspective on that. Um, Zintle, on your side, what is one project that you think stands out for you particularly that you probably say, wow, this one, yeah, it's the one. So for me, when I joined the bank, um, it was back when cloud computing was still quite new. And, and and so obviously in the bank, then there was no formal structure and formal processes and systems to, you know, sort of manage um, um, and, and, and govern cloud computing. So people would just consume cloud services as and when they please. And obviously then that exposed the bank's systems and data to various risks. And and then the SARP came and they introduced a, a, a policy for cloud computing or rather a directive for cloud computing. And it came with a whole lot of restrictions. So, so then I was given the challenge of, of, um, of creating and developing a new system uh, to govern and, and manage cloud computing for the bank. And that was quite a big task for me. I mean, back then I was still new in my world. It was just after I had uh, moved on from my graduate training year and just gone, gotten uh, permanent. And, but it was also quite an exciting role for me because I was working with people from various areas in the bank. And a lot of them were, you know, people who've, who've had years of experience, um, people who knew so much and they obviously knew better than me, but in here I was, and we all didn't know what cloud was and we all just had to figure this thing out together. So I didn't feel small. It didn't make me feel like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing and therefore people if I flop and then you know things are just going to go bad but we were all there people with 20 years experience also didn't know where to begin and here we were um started this journey um and it took years it took some time and 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 yeah I mean I mean for about the past three years you know we had to keep growing so so eventually in 2018 um uh, we went live with our program and then and since 2018 then it's all about improvement and automation um and really just improving the experience for all our users in the bank so so that's been quite an exciting project for me because I've also seen myself grow through it, um, becoming the subject matter expert in the field um, and, and being at a level where now, you know, we get to um, sort of we review all the cloud, uh, cloud projects and solutions that get introduced to the bank and, um, and obviously being there and giving the, 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 the position to also sort of approve anything that gets new that's that gets introduced to the bank so so i think that's been the one thing for me that stood out for me i took the project i didn't know what i was doing but um i'm glad i excelled and i owned it and i think because i owned it 
that's what made it more rewarding for me. Um, I didn't tell myself I was doing this for anybody else, but I knew that this is something that I could use. It was an opportunity for me to build my brand within the organization and also get getting recognition from, from, from external, like the sub and some um, rating auditing agencies. You know, we also receive compliments from the likes of PWC, from the likes of Outsurance and the Prudential Authority for being the leading bank in, in, in having a formal governance structure for cloud computing. So, so that was something that, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's been quite a rewarding journey for me, um, and 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 yeah, I mean, the advice I just want to give to everyone is, whatever task you get thrown at, own it, um, and use it to help you build a powerful brand for you within the organization and within the industry. Perfect. Um, yeah, I think especially your last point, especially just taking advantage of. You know, I think last episode there was a mention around, you know, things like <clears throat> blockchain, RPA. I think there was another two others which I'm not really aware of. That I think when you can kind of take advantage of the fact that the world is forever changing, and there's always going to be something new that's going to be presented in the industry. Just kind of take advantage and step in and kind of take advantage. And we spoke about earlier about your career growth and just taking advantage of these kind of resources and tools out there that other companies, other countries can take advantage of. And I think it's quite amazing, especially from the cloud space. And I think that's quite a unique space for a lot of companies to need to kind of move to the cloud rather than obviously a local based way of managing their data and information. So I think that's just quite an important aspect to think about. Um, and I think lastly, NAPO, on your side, what is that one project that, you know, as last speaker that you can, you know, blow everyone's mind away? I think Sintra has obviously mentioned the bank. So maybe from your side, maybe you can also push your bank, you know, just, you, know, you can also move us to your side of the world. Um, okay, cool. So the one project that I worked on that I felt that made me feel complete was actually my side project that I worked on during COVID. Well, still COVID, but at the beginning of COVID, right? So back in 2020, um, I decided to build an online store and sell some stuff. So uh, I learned a lot through the project because I had to learn how to use React, which is a front-end language that I didn't know at all. So I had to teach myself all of that, build that website, build the back-end, uh, work with the uh, payment integration, and make sure that everything works fine. And through that, I learned so many things. Um, and one of the things that I learned was that when people aren't watching, um, so at work, for instance, you obviously check in at eight and you knock off at five or whatever. And if no one is watching, you obviously want to do your own thing, especially with us working from home and all of those things. So with that project, I had to be up at 5 a.m. every morning to make sure that I put in the work because even though no one was watching, I felt like I needed to do all of those things for me to get to a point where I'll be able to sell all of those things, right? And also just coming from, well, I work for a bank, we build um, payment APIs and all of those things. So coming from the consumer side of things and consuming those APIs was also like quite an interesting way of uh, looking into the bank and all the security measures that go into the products that I build and, you know, all of the processes and making sure that a payment actually goes through and all of that. Um, and also, uh, as much as like at work, 
we have scrum masters and all of those things. So I had to be everything in one. I had to be my own scrum master. I had to be my own business analyst, own front end developer, back end developer, um, all of those things. Like I had to consider security and all of those things. So it was quite an interesting um, thing to work through. Um, and at the end of the day, I was able to sell a couple of items online and just seeing that first transition go off. It was, you know, it was something else. So yeah. That, that was the one project that made me feel complete and also just being able to use social media to, you know, advertise and also try and reach other people that, that I wouldn't have been able to reach otherwise. Um, so, yeah. And also, like, one thing that I learned is accountability as well. Being accountable, waking up at 5 a.m. and putting in the work even though, even though no one is watching and being able to follow through the tasks and creating those tasks in, in the board and saying, okay, so... Today, I'm planning on completing these five tickets and I need to make sure that everything goes through the correct stages, building those pipelines and making sure everything works from building the code to having the end product. So yeah, it was it was quite a project and I'm glad that I, I did that and I got to understand a lot of things about what I do at work and the shortfalls of being uh, measured and as well just you know try and create opportunities for other people as well because working on a project by yourself can be quite taxing, especially if you have a full-time job um so yeah no thanks Navo. i think you've kind of wrapped it up especially beyond just your nine to five this is, i assume you're going to mention your youtube channel as well as a project but i don't think that will probably relate to your profession literally uh but i think the beautiful thing i think one thing i've learned from each of you is um there's quite a dynamic how can i put this your space is quite dynamic you know typically let's say you do accounting you you know the ca auditing route um you know is this generic stuff that you can typically from a school perspective you can see from a test book someone says i'm an auditor okay i guess you know what the person is doing i guess that you're a ca okay this is what you do um but your space there's so much that one encapsulates in terms of what is and what does it involve in terms of operations, your role on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think each of you have different responsibilities, roles. And I was hoping one of you guys were going to say, okay, my Ferrari is outside and, you know, I'm on my way to go meet with the, the head of, I don't know, head of the CIO of, I don't know, Facebook or something. Uh, but I think it's, it's still amazing to see young Black people prospering in the particular fields, especially in tech, and especially in a country like South Africa where, information especially things just as simple as data even access to computers is already a barrier and that was one of the questions i was going to ask but for the sake of time i'll probably pass that to the side is that you know it's rather unfortunate that a lot of people from a young age are not exposed to such things around how information even youtube you talk about udemy platforms like that for a young person and you come from a village or a small town it's gonna be it's gonna be an uphill steep that you have to kind of compete, especially in the job market. But I think each of you kind of shared insight, and I hope 
you know, I would have further conversations for the sake of time, obviously, some other questions I couldn't probably ask, but maybe with the last thing I can ask you, each of you, in one minute, what is one thing that you think, you know, especially from a South African context, when African context is something that young people need to kind of take advantage of? Obviously, you're probably going to say, oh, you know, you need to kind of look at data, internet, whatever. But in your view, what is the one thing that you think young people kind of have to kind of be made aware of, um, especially in the context of the modern age we live in? Um, so maybe I can start with Keith. So just a simple one minute. What is the one thing that you think young people um, need to take advantage of or made to be made aware of in this day and age? Um, I think... Um, young people should be encouraged to be more curious. Um, I think from the African perspective, they, um, our relationship with young young people is more instructional. Uh, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, but I feel like, you know, when you're young, your mind wanders, your mind is curious. All these platforms that they're engaged in on, uh, on their phones or anything, I'm not saying, okay, you should just leave them, but don't restrict. The world has opened up a lot. Someone can see, a young person can see something on, on I don't know, whatever platform, social, uh, social media platform, and sparks something in their mind. So I think uh, when you are, um, the traditional rules that we used to think about, like you, you're saying, you know, study this, study that. If you see that a young person is interested in creating something, in building something, in understanding how something works, encourage that curiosity. And that's the way that we expand our knowledge. Uh, rather than, you know, taking the traditional view of, you know, you have to go to school, do this degree, you know, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be an accountant. Uh, the world has opened up a lot. So I would say, you know, in your families, in your uh, networks, just encourage young people to be curious, to research, to find out as much information about the world. Don't have any barriers because literally you could be working for a company in the US in South Africa these days. They, they are no, the world has opened up a lot. So yeah, yeah. that's what it is. Nah. Appreciate that. Matau, on your side, in a brief one minute, what would you want to share? Okay, everything is out there. Everything is open, and you would be surprised on how people actually want to expose how they did it. Um, People are so passionate. I mean, I there was uh, when I went to I was a a freelancer at one point, and I sat at Forty Four Stanley, and just the conversations, you know, asking questions. Um, how do you do that? How do I price? Just people want actually people want to tell, people want to share. So um, and also when you look at a TikTok or Instagram, don't just look, don't just okay, uh, enjoy it, but ask yourself, how did this happen? How did they? How would you take a video and put it here? So what was behind first of all creating the video, and why is it so big? Why do I then have to wake up and look at my phone um those aspects of um how it was sold how it's so easy to use all of that um how did it get you so ask yourself these questions um and use data for try to use data for things that you need to learn don't just enjoy don't just consume but how do i use data to produce have those conversations and i promise you you're gonna go far beautiful zinche on your side what was that one so, thing? Yeah. So for me, I 
think um, the important thing is um, don't be afraid to start. Whatever it is that you're pursuing, whether it is learning a new programming uh, language, whether it is learning a new um, how to use the new tech, um, in the tech space, something new comes up every day. Literally every day we get a new app or multiple apps uh, uh, get introduced almost every day. And so that's how big this industry is. And it keeps growing at a very rapid uh, uh, um, uh, rate. So, so get started, whether it is implementing your idea. A lot of ideas, literally, you can implement within your own office space or your own home, um, learn a new programming language and start coding whatever it is that you want. You've always been wanting to introduce to, to your community, um, especially if it solves particular problems or particular issues that we are faced with. Africa has a lot of issues, and I believe a lot of them can be solved with technology. So so get started. Um, don't get left behind. Uh, grow with technology. Thanks, Intre. And then last, Napo, what is what is the one one minute of information that you think young people need to be made aware of? Social media, guys. Social media is so big right now. I would encourage every single one, especially the young kids, to jump on social media, start a podcast, start a YouTube channel. Start an Instagram account, make that money, guys. Like that, 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 that's where the future is heading, to be honest. Like social media, take advantage of those 100,000 followers that you have. Because these kids have a lot of followers and I don't think they use them for the right thing. You know, uh, as Matawe had mentioned, look at the numbers and look at your following. Okay, what are these people looking for? What do they enjoy about my content? And try and monetize that. Start a YouTube channel from your Instagram following make money <laughs> that's all i can say to you on in social media thanks thanks now i think now that you're mentioning podcasting and making money let me start say thinking about uh but on a serious note i think it's 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 quite important to look at social media as well uh but i think overall i think i really appreciate each of you guys and the insight you've shared and especially your journeys in the industry and i think you know it's beautiful to see young people in different spaces that are not the stereotypical mom tells you to go get a PhD in, I don't know, maths or something, something that, you know, you can see is quite unique and also can intrigue someone who's young, especially in this digital age. It's just that obviously, unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the resources or the finances to kind of start very young. But I think it's beautiful that you guys say start, start as soon as possible and most importantly, be curious. And I, I really appreciate each of you guys sharing the insight you have. And that's the goal of the podcast, really share each of you guys' journeys and kind of highlight how each of you guys have navigated your spaces and the beauty of your stories and how that can relate to someone else who's also young and is also trying to tap into what you've tapped into. So I really appreciate everything you guys have said. So I think from my side, I think, thank you very much for joining the podcast. Um, it's going to be obviously uploaded probably in the next few days. Um, but from my side, thank you again as being a guest and I hope to have further conversation with you guys, but it's really insightful to what everything you guys have shared and Obviously, I would have to plug Napo's YouTube channel since you mentioned social media. So obviously, you can go subscribe to Napo. It's Napo HD, um, so you can find that on YouTube. But I'll also share the information on the one so episode is out. So you guys can have all the information that you, obviously your details. So you guys want to also interact with one another. Uh, so that's going to obviously be done once the episode is out. But from my side, thank you very much, guys. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. And I'll be in touch with you guys as soon as the episode is finally out. So yeah. 
So enjoy your week and cheers guys. Thank you, Chizevi. And congrats on your three-year anniversary, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much.